There have been two times in the uh, seven or eight years that I've been here that I've, uh, I've lost my sermon due to a computer hiccup. It happened uh, about six years ago at about eight o'clock on Sunday morning. And then it happened yesterday at about six or seven as I opened it up to look over things. Um, both times was when I was preaching from Revelation chapter five. Both times was when I was preaching from Revelation chapter five. I know. So, would you pray with God that God would do the work He wants to do today? Lord, we we thank you for the ways that you work, and we thank you for your word. And I, I pray again, as I as I prayed last week, I am very aware of how unable I am to preach this word today, this uh, incredible vision of the throne room of heaven. Lord, I pray that you uh, would speak through me by your spirit to your people, that your people would be open to hearing what your spirit has to say, and that this word would make our hearts alive in worship to you. We pray these things in the name of the lion and the lamb. Amen. Well, last week we looked at Revelation chapter 4, and in Revelation chapter 4, John says that he looked and a door to heaven was open to him. In God's mercy, John gets a glimpse into the throne room of heaven, and that's what he communicates to us in chapter 4 and chapter 5 of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 4, it really sets the scene of this throne room. We receive images of what this throne room of heaven is like. In John's vision, God opens a door to heaven and he sees a throne and someone is sitting on it. This is good news. The throne is occupied. It is not empty. There is someone sitting on the throne, and that is good news as we live in a world that, from our perspective, often seems out of control. We do not need to be afraid. John sees a throne, and there is someone sitting on it. And in John's vision, all creation surrounds the throne, singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Every minute of every day, forever and ever and ever, the Lord of all creation receives the worship that he deserves. Revelation 4, as we said last week, sets the scene of this center of unbroken praise. If Revelation 4 sets the scene, I want to suggest to you today that Revelation 5 begins the drama, the, the plot, the story of the whole rest of the book of Revelation. In the rest of the book of Revelation, we're going to read an incredible drama that tells the story of how God is going to judge and redeem the whole world. And we're going to see in this book that it is a drama with many different villains and with many different victims, but only one hero. 
And we're going to learn about who that hero is today. Revelation 5 is the beginning of a drama that tells us how God, the Lord of all creation, how he is going to renew all of creation, judge the world of sin and evil, and establish his kingdom on the earth. So with that, would you stand with me as I read Revelation chapter 5. What I'd like for you to do today, as we're reading this, is that there are three points where those that are around the throne lift up their voices to the one who's on the throne. The first one comes in verse 9, where I say, I'll read, and they sang a new song. And I would like for all of us, we do not have the same version. This just came into my head at this moment. That's probably not going to work, but I will lead it. And as you are able, I'm reading from the NIV, as you are able, if you would um, read through uh, those songs that are being sung around the throne. So one is in verse 9, one is in verse 12, and one is in verse 13. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one, no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. And I wept and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God. God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and on the sea, and all that is in them singing, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. Amen. 
Well, the first question that we have to ask when we come to this section is, what is this scroll? This whole chapter is about this mysterious scroll. The one on the throne, the Lord of all creation, is holding it in his right hand, and there is writing covering it completely, both on uh, the inside and on the outside, and there's, it's covered, with, or it's sealed with seven seals. And after John sees the scroll, there's this mighty angel who yells out, who is worthy to open the scroll? And then the answer to that question is silence. No one is worthy to open the scroll. No angel or human being or any other creature is worthy to open this scroll. And so John weeps and he weeps. But then one of the elders around the throne comes to John and he says, no, there is one who is worthy. And this one who is worthy comes and he takes the scroll. And once he takes the scroll in in his hand, all of creation and the 24 elders sing this new song of worship to the one who takes the scroll into his hand. What is going on here? What is this scroll well, you probably know that at this time, um, documents were written on scrolls. They were rolled up pieces of parchment. Book binding had not yet been invented, and so documents were rolled up into a scroll. And for important legal documents, or for documents that were being sent from one place to another, those scrolls could be sealed with wax. A bit of hot wax would be placed on the seam of the scroll, and then most often an imprint would often be put onto that wax with a signet ring that would identify who that document belonged to or who that document was being sent to. So, for example, the last will, the last will and testament of an important person might have been written up on a scroll and then sealed with that person's seal. And that will would then say, stay sealed until the time that that person died, and then some designated person, the executor of that will, will would open it and reveal what, what is inside and make sure that whatever in that will um, was written would happen. So what is this scroll in the right hand of the one sitting on the throne? I suggest to you that this scroll held in the right hand of the one on the throne, written on all both sides and sealed with seven seals, is God's will for the whole world. It contains his plans and his purposes for the world. The scroll contains God's plan for judgment on sin and death and evil. It contains his plans and purposes to protect his followers who overcome and who stay true to his name. This scroll is God's will, his plans and his purposes for the whole world. I can only imagine how excited John must have been to see this scroll in the hands of the one sitting on the throne. It's not just any scroll. It's not just any hand holding that scroll. This is God's hand. It's God's scroll. God's plans and purposes written on that scroll. And John is eager to hear about God's will, eager to hear about God's will for the world and for his own life. Remember, John has been exiled onto the island of Patmos. He's been alone and isolated, away from family and friends and from his church. 
If I was in John's place in that moment, I would be asking, Lord, is there a plan and a purpose for all of this? I'm alone here, abandoned. Lord, is there a plan and a purpose for me? Is there a plan and a purpose for all this persecution that my people are going through? Is there a plan and a purpose? And John sees the scroll. There is an answer in the hand of God. All the purposes of God written there. All of the answers to our great question of why, God, would you allow these things to happen? All of the answers to how God will bring about good from evil. All of it is there. God's will held out in his right hand. So that is why John weeps when there's no one worthy to open it. I wept and I wept because no one was able to open the scroll. No one was worthy to reveal and to implement God's will and purpose for the world. Not the greatest angel in heaven, not the wisest woman, not the strongest man. No one in heaven or on earth was worthy to open the scroll. And so John weeps. I bet that you have cried the same kind of tears that John cries here. In those times in your life when you have faced some suffering, who have gone through some kind of pain, and you just didn't see any meaning to it, and you wondered what God's plan and purpose was in it, or in times when you've looked around our country or our world and see how much it is out of control and hurtling towards destruction, it's in those times when we weep and we cry out to God, why? Where are you? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are your plans and your purposes in all of this? We want to know that from God. We want to know what's written on his scroll because I think, I think that we can endure suffering and pain if we know that there's going to be some good end to it. But if we don't know, if we can't understand, if all of it just seems meaningless and endless, we can only despair. And so what we need is hope. John is weeping here because he begins to lose hope. He can see that God has a plan and purpose. God has written it on his will, on this scroll, but there is no one who's worthy to open it, to reveal what it is, and to implement his will. And so he weeps and he weeps. And in that moment, we don't know how long. This is a vision of an eternal reality. We don't know how time works there. But John tells us that he weeps and he weeps. And John loses hope because there is no one worthy to reveal and to execute God's plan and purpose for the world. And so I imagine John on his knees, weeping Crying because there is no one worthy to open, to reveal, and to execute God's plan and purpose. And as he's weeping, one of the elders comes to him, and I imagine this elder kneeling down next to him and saying, John, do not weep. The lion 
of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has triumphed, and he is worthy to open the scroll. Brother or sister, don't lose hope today. There is one who is able to reveal and to execute God's will. His good and pleasing and perfect will for your life. The elder describes this one as the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. These are both titles that refer to Israel's promised messianic king. The root of David. David was the king of Israel, the great king of Israel. And there was always this promise that one of David's descendants would return to the throne and restore the people of Israel. And I'd like to read from Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10, which is a description of what will happen in the age of the Messiah. When the one who is to come from David comes and establishes his reign. Isaiah chapter 11, I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. It's a beautiful passage that describes the age of of the Messiah. Isaiah chapter 11. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. For those of you who don't know or who have forgotten, Jesse is David's father. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf, and the lion, and the yearling together, and the little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, and the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his place of rest will be glorious. Isaiah 11 verse 1 says that the Messiah will be a shoot or a branch that comes from David's line that will bear this good fruit that's described here in this passage. But then in verse 10, Isaiah gives a different image. The prophets like to mix up their metaphors. They're not bothered by that at all. In verse 10, Isaiah gives a different image. He says that the Messiah is the root of Jesse. And then we hear this echo in this vision that John receives in Revelation 5, that the one who is able to open the scroll is the root of David. 
Jesus is the branch that was promised in Isaiah chapter 11. He is the descendant of David who will bear this good fruit. He is the shoot of David who will come and bring about all of God's plans and purposes for Israel and the nations. But he is not only the shoot of David, he is also the root of David. In his humanity, he came from David's line to be king and was this branch or shoot that is described here in Isaiah chapter 11. But he is not merely a human being who came after David. He also came before David. He is also the root of David. He is the source of David. Before David ever was, the Son of God was. He was before David, and he is the source of David's power and authority. John, don't weep. The root of David has triumphed. The elder says that the one who is able to open the scroll is also the Lion of Judah. We read this reference also in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 49. If you would turn with me there, Genesis chapter 49. In Genesis 49, there's this beautiful scene at the, the end of the book where Jacob is an old man lying on his deathbed. And just before he dies, each of his sons come to him and he lays his hands on them and he blesses each one of his sons. And listen to how he blesses his son Judah. Genesis chapter 49, verses 8 through 10. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, O Judah. You return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who dares to rouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he comes to whom it belongs, and the obedience of the nations is his. This is the promise of the Messiah of Israel, the ruler of the nations, who will come from the tribe of Judah. The elder comes to the weeping John, and he says to him, Look, the promised one has come. The root of David, the promised lion of Judah, has triumphed. And so, brothers and sisters, don't lose hope today. The promised Messiah, the root of David, the lion of Judah, has triumphed. Have hope today. We can imagine how relieved John must have been that the lion of Judah had come. The lion, the king of the jungle, the the one who devours his prey and overcomes his enemies. The lion of Judah is here. Of course, the lion of Judah would be worthy to reveal and to execute God's will, his judgment and redemption of the whole world. And so John quips, weeping, the lion of Judah is worthy And he looks up from his weeping, and he turns towards the throne. And this is what he sees in verse 6. In the middle of the throne of the four living creatures, I looked, and I saw a powerful, roaring lion rippling with muscle and strength. I looked, and I saw a powerful, roaring lion standing on the throne, right? That's what it says in verse 6. That's what John saw, right? John looks, and I saw a lamb. A lamb. 
John turns, expecting to see a lion, the conquering lion of Judah. And instead of seeing a lion, he sees a lamb. And this is not just any lamb, but a little lamb. The Greek has two words for lamb. One is a full-grown lamb, a sheep, and the other is a little lamb, a baby lamb. Mary's little lamb. Mary had a little lamb. And this lamb that John sees isn't a different character being introduced to the story. This little lamb is the one who is worthy to open the scroll. This little lamb is the root of David. This little lamb is the lion of Judah. Mary's little lamb is also one with the one who is on the throne at the center of unbroken praise. And this image gets even more surprising than that. John doesn't just see a little lamb. He sees a little lamb looking as if it had been slain. Friends, we cannot imagine a more startling image here. At the center of unbroken praise is an image of vulnerability, a sacrificial lamb. Isaiah 53, he was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. He was crushed for our transgressions and pierced for our iniquities. Jesus is the sacrificial lamb that was promised by Isaiah, the lamb of God proclaimed and pointed to by John the Baptist, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. God, in his infinite wisdom does not use a lion or a bear or a tiger or a bald eagle as his primary symbol of victory and strength. Instead, God's primary symbol for victory and strength is a little sacrificial lamb. At the center of unbroken praise is a sacrificial lamb who was slain for the sins of the whole world, your sins and mine. This image gets stranger. This little slain lamb at the center of unbroken praise has seven horns and seven eyes. Friends, the numbers and images in the book of Revelation are symbols that represent realities in ways that mere words can't. I mean, just try to draw this image of this little slain lamb with seven horns and seven eyes. It's a strange picture. In the Jewish mind, the number seven is the number that symbolizes wholeness or completeness. Eyes symbolically represent sight or knowledge or wisdom. Horns throughout scripture are symbols of strength. So this little lamb, looking as if it was slain, also has seven horns and seven eyes, which communicates to us that this little lamb is also completely strong and all-powerful and is able to see and to know all things. This is an all-powerful, all-knowing little lamb who also was looking as if it was slain. He was a willing sacrificial lamb that all of us need to take away our sin. He gave up his power and authority in order to be the slain lamb for us. 
Our Lord and Savior humbled himself and became a human being, made himself subject to the limitations and frustrations of our human lives. He became a servant to us, made himself vulnerable, subject to death, even a humiliating, pain-filled death on the cross. In this same Jesus, the same one is also the one that has all authority in heaven and on earth. The image of the little lamb in Revelation 5 is an image given to us to express the vulnerability and the authority of Jesus. And it was through this vulnerability and this authority that Jesus saved the world. This is the one who is worthy to open the scroll. This is the one who is able to reveal and to execute the will of God. Jesus Christ, the slain, all-powerful, all-knowing little lamb. And this lamb is the one hero in this whole story. Over and over and over and over again, the lamb is the hero in Revelation. In Revelation, it is the lamb who sets his people free. The throne described here in Revelation 5 from this point on in the book of Revelation is described as the throne of God and of the lamb. We are told that the book of life is called the Lamb's book of life. The martyrs who die for the faith, they follow the lamb wherever he goes. The martyrs have their robes dipped and purified in the blood of the... One day we will be invited to the wedding supper of the... In the final vision of the new heavens and new earth, there will be no need for sun and moon because the glory of God and the... Give us light. In the final vision of the new heavens and new earth, we're told that we're no longer in need of any temple because the Lord God and the are the temple. In other words, there'll be no more need for any religious structure or ritual to be in the presence of God. The Lamb, Jesus Christ, will be there right with us. The lamb that we read about in Revelation 5 is the hero of the whole book. He is the one who is worthy to open this scroll and to reveal and to execute the will and purposes of God. He is the one who is victorious through his death, who overcomes his enemies, who defeats sin, and who destroys every bit of evil that has afflicted this world because of our sin. All right, we're almost done. Look at verses 8 through 10. Verses 8 through 10, the living creatures and the 24 elders fall down, they worship him, and they sing a new song. A new song. And here is the new song. This song tells us why the Lamb is worthy to open the scroll. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Friends, this is one of the most important things that you can ever hear. One of the plans and purposes of God written on this scroll in his right hand is that he would purchase your life for you. This is the work that Jesus did on the cross through his shed blood. He purchased your life and mine for God. Your salvation, 
your eternal life is based on a work, on a purchase that's already been made for you. Have you received the gift of life that this purchase has been made for? This gift has been won and is offered to men and women from every tribe and language and people and nation. I believe that includes you. The Lamb of God who was slain for the world purchased your life through his blood. Eternal life is on offer and available to each one of us today. So today, if... If I sound like a madman preaching from Revelation chapter 5 with these crazy images and you have no idea what all this is about, but there's something stirring up in your heart today that maybe this stuff is true, come and talk to me or one of the people that's been up here today. The incredibly good news about this whole scene is that God has made a way for us to approach and enter this center of unbroken praise. Hebrews 5 says, Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Because that slain Lamb of God who purchased your life is standing in the middle of the throne, that throne is now for you. If you will receive him by faith, it is now a throne of grace. And you can approach that throne through the sacrifice that he made for you. That is the good news for each one of us. He is inviting us to come and to enter in and to approach his throne of grace, to approach the center of unbroken praise that goes on forever and ever. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today that in your great wisdom that's beyond our imagination, it's beyond our ability to comprehend that you have chosen to give us this image of a slain lamb to understand who you are and how you've chosen to save us and how you've chosen to rule your world. So Lord, I pray that today in the midst of our own frustration, the midst of our lack of hope, the midst of our despair in our times of weeping and weeping like John, we have lost hope when we have wondered, what is your purpose and plan in all of this? Lord, that you would renew our hope today. Trust that you are the one who is able to bring about your goodwill and purpose for our lives and for our world. I pray we would know this, and I ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen.